Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. I thank God for you guys coming. It's a Thursday night. This is a, a night that uh, typically wouldn't be here. Wednesday's going to be our biggest night. That's what we think. But we had, we had a good time last night. And, and tomorrow night, I think it's going it's going to be a fitting ending for it, and it's going to climax what we're doing tonight. And uh, Don't know how long these sessions are going to last. It depends upon you. All right. Switch it the other way, Gerald. Let it, let it glow. All the way back. If it's defective, we're going to get you another one. Because sometimes that happens. There you go. There you go. All right. Jack, I'm going to give you the same grace I gave Ron Morgan. Your wife is covering you tonight. She was not here. Miss Sheila? Where's your light? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. We're good to go, y'all. Just for a moment, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that you are the light of the world. We thank you for that illumination that shows us what we need to do. And we thank you for your promise that if we walk in the light, that we will not walk in darkness. So help us to walk in the light of your truth in Jesus' name. And I thank you for these people who sacrificed their time to be here tonight. To hear from you, not me, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we here Thursday, July 25th. Then this year passed quick. Wow. School start Monday. Tonight, our theme scripture is coming from 1 John 1 and 7, which reads this way from the New, I mean, English Standard Version. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Uh, I read something that was very interesting, Jeff, on this. Oftentimes when we read this, and we talk about having fellowship one with another, we often equate that with having fellowship with one another, brothers and sisters. But this particular scholar... And he backs it up with the Greek tense that it's really talking about having fellowship one with God. Maybe implying with other people, but if we look at it from that, that perspective, and we read it again. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship, like with him, with each other. Let me read it that way. And then it says, then the blood of Jesus covers us, cleanses us from all sin. What kind of connection is that? Why, why, is, why is sin brought up in this particular passage? We, we're really talking about walking in the light and fellowshipping with God or fellowshipping with each other. But there's a point behind that. The Greek, the Greek word here for walk is, is to follow a path that's already been clearly marked. Uh, many of you probably know that uh, I know when, when I was raised up, we had fields all in Summer Hill and Atlanta, and people would walk through the fields. And when you walk through the fields, that you tread out the grass, you kill the grass, uh, and, and it becomes a path. Uh, it may not be known to many of you, but that's how a lot of highways were created. The Indians and some other people walked these paths going from one place to another, and it cleared out a path. It's associated with trample, trample down, like trampling down the grass so that you can see. So when we talk about walking in the light, we're talking about walking something that should be clearly defined and we don't have no problem. 
the problem is that we decide that we want to go our own path. An example is when someone has walked over grass, they push the grass down and make a trail that others can follow. John concern of walking in the light is closely associated with his gospel, what we talked about last night, that Jesus is the light. Thus, walking in the light is walking with Jesus. John's purpose for writing his letter was to prevent his readers from sinning. Now y'all get the point about the sin portion. We'll get to that. It's important to understand that John's audience are Christians. Christians who become confused by false teaching. And he calls them to walk in the light and not in darkness. Here's the implication. As Christians, when we walk in the light, we're able to see things that we can't see in the darkness. And I'm talking about seeing things about us. If you're taking notes, you can put down there the three S's. The three S's that walking in the light will cause you to see. First of all, Walking in the light will cause you to see yourself. See yourself as God sees us. Now let me just transgress here and just, anybody remember what we're talking about when we say walking in the light is what? What, 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 does, what, what we, we say we walk in the light, who are we walking with? And today in our society, how do we know we're walking in the light? What's that source? It's the word of God. So if we're walking in the light. We're in the word of God. We're in our personal meditation time. We're in our devotion. You're going to see yourself. You may not like it. You might try, as we just said, we might try to put it up on somebody else, but you're going to see yourself. I'm going to give you an example of what we're talking about. When, when, when the word of God hits us, we try to deflect it. There are certain scriptures in the Bible that's real, what we call heart sayings, like turning the other cheek, uh, going the extra mile. We try to make it seem like it's not literal. We try to say it's just an example, but we really don't really look at it. And here's, here's, here's the one that I've been throwing out. For, for you for a long time. Love your enemies. And then people say, well, I, I don't hate nobody. I love everybody. But then it says, ask yourself. Ah. Do good to them that despitefully use you. Wow. And, and we, we, we can try to justify that all, all we want to. It should give you a great appreciation for grace. That's what it should do. But it caused you to see yourself. And when we get to this, this, this main point of what John is, is, bringing, is bringing to us, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Next S, you're going to see your sin. You're going to see your sin as something that not only is offensive to God, but hurts the very heart of God. This will challenge you about how much you love God. For those of us that may be married, or, or I could even say those of you who have parents, how often have something you've done hurt the one that you love? How do you feel about that? When you know you have hurt your mother, who's striving hard for you, how do you feel about that? It brings about some type of feeling inside of you, remorse. So when we see our sin, we should feel the same way. Even though our sins are forgiven, even though we're covered in the blood, it still hurts the heart of God. And walking in the light will show you this. Can you imagine walking in the light and walking with Jesus? Let's say we're walking in the light, we're walking with Jesus, and we're doing something that he's not pleased with, and we hear this word, I, I can't go there. I can't do that. And I really wish you wouldn't either. 
Please don't do that. You got this personal relationship with God and he's talking to you and you're walking with him, but you want to get your own path. When we see our sins, we realize that this is hurting God. And this causes us to rethink some things. Number three, the third is salvation. Salvation. We see salvation as a gift from God, totally given by his grace. Because we recognize that what he has given us in eternal life is something that we don't deserve, we couldn't deserve it. So those are the implications about walking in light. You're going to see what you cannot see in the dark. So as you begin to meditate on the word of God, you begin to do some things in the word of God, you need to remember the three S's. Word of God is going to show you yourself. And this ought to be a prayer of yours. Lord, show me myself. Show me my sins and give me a great appreciation for your salvation. Here's the background of the text. The readers had been confronted with false teaching, who John called these false teachers the Antichrist. A group known as the Gnostics held a view of what was known in theological circles as dualism. Now, dualism is an idea that believed that the spiritual and the material was clearly separate. They also believed in something that's called docetism, which teaches that Jesus did not come in the flesh and his humanity was not real. He only appeared to have a physical body. The reason that they taught this is because they felt that the flesh was evil. Everything in it was totally evil, and Jesus is not evil, so he couldn't have had a physical body. And, of course, if you, if you think about it in those days, even today, that might make sense to a lot of people. But both these doctrines eliminate the need to ask for forgiveness of sin. And I thank you for that promo that came on uh, uh, about that. Sometimes we really don't see ourselves. We see other people sin. And that's just a, a, a trick of the enemy to keep us from asking for forgiveness. Now, Noxious theology implied that what was done in the body had no spiritual consequence. This is when Paul quoted meats for the stomach and stomach for the meats. Their, their viewpoint was God gave you your appetite to eat, so eat all you want to. That led to gluttony. And they went on and said, God gave you your sexual organs, so have all the sex you want to. It doesn't make any difference because that's what God gave you, and he wouldn't give it to you if he didn't want you to use it. So use it. But Paul goes on to say, but God's going to destroy both of them. It put forth an idea that sin is a natural action of the body. Therefore, there should be no guilt, no shame, no sorrow. That being the case, then there's no need for you to repent or ask for forgiveness. This is a demonic gotcha. That's exactly what he wants you. He wants you to think that you're something that you're not. He wants you to think that you've overcome something that you can never overcome, not in your human flesh. So John let a challenge believer then and now to walk in the light of truth. So as we go to our scripture now, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while walking in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And I want you to look at this word practice and I want you to think about going to a doctor's office. They'll say something like, and this his degree will say something like, he is now certified to practice medicine. It is something that you habitually do. It's something that you are skilled in and gifted in. John associates darkness with sin. Darkness is the opposite of light and thus it symbolizes moral evil. And John uses a double negative to state and finally there is no, no darkness in him. Nada, none, none whatsoever. There never was, 
There is not now, and there'll never be in the darkness. I want you to go back up to where it says associated darkness with sin. John used the word fellowship to imply a close relationship. It's a partnership of sharing. It's a partnership of sharing thoughts, ideas, concept, and mindset. But then John addresses the issues of talking, but not walking. We can talk the talk, but are we walking the walk? Remember last night I said that it's a bad testimony for anybody that's in an environment of associating with other people and they don't know you're a Christian. Well, how do they know you're a Christian? Is it something you told them? Or something you showed them. Because one of the greatest tools that the enemy has is a hypocritical lie. Somebody that say they're Christian, and I used an example last last night about those of us that may have some kind of a hot headed temple how Satan will get us in a situation where we'll just fly off the handle. We'll just say things. And you hear those condemning words, I thought they were a Christian. Well, someone said they're in partnership with the Lord, but they walk in sin, they are liars. The word of God, my brothers and sisters, that's what it says. Now, walk in darkness, refers to a lifestyle, not an occasional lapse of morality. In other words, it's something that someone continues to do, enjoy doing, have no remorse, but living in it. Like a physical walk, it's something that comes natural without forethought or concern. And this came to me today as I was looking at this, If there's no concern, there's no conviction. And if there's no conviction, there's no change. John not only refutes the view of the Gnostic, he claimed to have enlightenment and fellowship with God. That was the Gnostic, I see you, that was the Gnostic viewpoint. We got special light with God. So John not only questioned what they're saying, he questioned their salvation. Their practice of error proved that they were not true. Monroe? Yeah, when I was out there, Pastor, I was living a double life. I didn't want people to know really what I was doing. And I got pretty good at it. But one day, it, I had a bad accident. And I was ashamed of what I had done. But it was, it was already done. And it changed me. Didn't drink anymore. Didn't have the taste for that type of life anymore. And still don't. I went to the doctor today. He said, Monroe, you can do anything. You can, if you want to be with a woman or something, you can go. I said, no, 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 no. (laughs) Let me me share something with you, Deke. You weren't living a double life. You were living a sinner's life. Yeah. A double life is when you were saved, yeah. and then you're trying to act like a sinner. That's a double life. Yeah. Or you in the church trying to act saved, but then you go out there and you don't want people to know you're saved. That's a double life. Yeah. But when you're out in the world, you do what you're supposed to do. It's just the fact that we want to feel good about our sin. We want to justify it. And we can justify everything we do. We can justify adultery. She or he ain't treating me right. They doing the same thing. We can, we can justify fornication. I can't help myself. My body just going. We can justify stealing. The base got plenty of them. We can justify lying. We can justify gluttony. We justify gossip. 
And that's, that's when we become a double, to me, a double agent, Monroe. When we're in the Lord, we're in the church, and we're doing things that we don't consider sin. We can talk about folks, but they ain't hurting nobody. I was sharing, I think, with Robert today about the fact we know, how many of y'all heard this? I ain't bothering nobody. I try to treat everybody right. Well, what, what, what's, what's that about? But I, I didn't, I skipped from church to church, you know, and trying to find myself. And Piney Grove, I don't know what y'all did to me. It just changed me around. It wasn't as if the Holy Spirit. But, but, but again, now I'm going to tell you something now. That's also a good point about the fact. Remember we talked about, and I think you brought up Deacon Mac, about that void in your life. We were talking about that noonday prayer. Everybody got that void. And you're going to try to fill it with something. Going to church as a sinner makes you feel good. You don't want to stay long. You want to hear the songs if it's the right song. You don't want to hear the word of God unless he's talking about the on the other side of the aisle. But when you finish, as an unsaved person, when you finish going to church and you get out of there, you feel good. You don't punch your ticket. Boom. I did something good today. You feel good when you, when you, when you uh, let somebody have your parking space. You feel good about little things. May not be saved, but we're trying to feel that void. And we feel good about certain things. But it's just like getting high with dope and alcohol. After a while, it's going to wear off. Now, I, I, whether you just the saying, uh, or somebody was saying, because nobody really tells you about the after effects of getting high. The devil don't tell you that. You feel bad. So what do you do? What what they say? Uh, bite the dog that bit you, something like that? Huh? Somebody tell, give Mike somebody to me because I, I, I got it. It goes, don't bite the hand that feeds you. No, not that not one. That one. Up. Not that one. The hair of the dog. The hair, the hair of the dog that bit you. The hair of the dog that bit you. In other words, and my dad used to talk about this because I remember him, after he don't have his drunken bin, he gets some Tabasco sauce, a raw egg. Anybody been familiar with that? You seen it on TV? Well, I seen it in person. Getting rid of this, this, this hangover. But these guys were not practicing the truth. They had the MD, but they was in error. But the problem here is they were confusing the church. And, and you want to know why? We like sinning. And we're going to get to it a little, little, little later on about the sin nature. So when someone tells you it's okay to do what is not okay to do, and there's someone who you got respect for spiritually, you're all for that. That's all you want to do. All you want to hear. You can basically tell these churches that, that got uh, certain things going on. The congregation is full of them. Joe Brothers talk about that church up in Atlanta that got the first gentleman. Guess what 80% of their congregation? Yeah. Next verses. But if we walk in the light as he, meaning Jesus, in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. This is our key verse. But look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and truth is not in us. This is what the Gnostic was doing. They were telling these people, you don't have Sin, because that's what your body is doing. It has nothing to do with your spirit. Hey, man, that sounds good to me. Sounds good to me. Smorgasbord, all you can eat. Restaurant, you go there and you see the food. It ain't going to cost you nothing to eat more. So what do you try to do? Eat as much as you can. Thank you, Kay. 
Because we'll justify stuff like that. I'm going to get my money's worth. <laughs> Go ahead and say it. That's it. No, I was just saying, like, usually whatever that first plate is, that that's what we would have paid anywhere else. But for some reason, you feel like when you go to a buffet, if you don't eat more than one plate, you didn't get your money's worth. Yeah. <laughs> and we feel good about that, don't we? I get my money's worth. I can get wherever I want. And, man, they got some good ones out here. <laughs> my wife and I went to one in uh, South Carolina. A golfing event, and that was the best restaurant I have ever been in. The price, it cost $25. But if you think about it, they had it. It was supposed to be a seafood, but they had steak, chicken. You might know where we're talking about, but it is somewhere in Myrtle Beach. It was great. And I'm a crab leg lover, and you get all the crab leg you want. Then next time I look up there, the steak looks good. Mm -hmm. Then you bring out some fried chicken, it looks good. <laughs> and so I said, well, for $25, I may as well get it. <laughs> it tastes good to my palate. I wanted to consume it. So that's when we get into lust. But only you can determine that point mm -hmm. from satisfying your hunger the gluttony. But if you walk in the light, something's going to happen. As a result of this lesson tonight, somebody's going to be confronted with a choice. Are you going to get that other spoonful? As a result of this lesson tonight, when you hear something about somebody or you feel something about somebody, you want to share it with somebody and it's burning inside of you to go ahead and say this thing. We look at it as sharing information. Therefore, it's not gossip. When we've been prompted by God to go and do some things, but we justify because our work schedule has got us physically tired like God don't know it. That I don't have to do this. We justify laziness or slothfulness based on how we feel. And we say it's okay. Now the reason I didn't go to the me and Rob talking about the big three, because we get to the point we're over those things. But are we loving our neighbor as ourselves? And if the answer is no, do we confront that and say, Lord? This is an area that I need forgiveness in. This is an area that I need your grace in. Verse 8 again, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And truth is not in us. John tells us reading to walk in the light rather than according to the light. To walk according to the light will require sinless perfection. This will make fellowship with God impossible because we are sinful. However, to walk in the light implies a responsiveness. Y'all say that word with me. Responsiveness. One more time. Responsiveness to what the light reveals. Walking in the light means walking in the word of God. The word of God is a mirror and a sword. The word used by the Holy Spirit convicts and cuts. Remember I went back and said if there's no concern, there's no conviction. But see, this is going to come by being in the word of God. I'm amazed that I read the Old Testament prophets and we study in Sunday school, Isaiah and Jeremiah, Amos and all those guys when, when how the people of God are in this gross sin and the prophets are there to bring conviction. And these people... They choose these idol gods because worshiping these idol gods is easy. You give them something, they give you something back. God has said, this is the way I want you to live. When Christians experience fellowship with God, I mean true fellowship, they in good relationship with God, they don't bother nobody, treat everybody right, 
They may be tempted to think they're exempt from temptation to sin. And I've been there. I've been there. I mean, I saved six months God, the power of God was so heavy on me, but and changed me, and I just had no desire. Like James Monroe said, God took so many desires away from me, I thought I was it. And God had to let me slip to see myself. John warned against his self-deluding conception. God's word teaches about the depravity of the human heart. Where it basically says, you know the heart. God said the heart is desperately wicked. So just because some Christian may not be, or say they're not conscious of failures and faults in their walk with Christ, it doesn't erase the fact that we all have them. You can look at what Paul wrote to the Roman church. We all have sinned and we all come short. That's prior to, after, and during salvation. However, walking in the light will reveal faults. You know, a lot of times uh, people don't want to come to worship service. They don't come to prayer and praise because they feel hypocritical. They want the preacher to be non-evasive and short. Because we really don't like to see ourselves. We really don't like conviction. And when you feel that way, it's natural because you're feeling from your flesh. And you are housed in this flesh and you ain't going to get away from it. Don't get no guilt trip about how you feel. Just recognize where it's coming from and what to do about it. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I've been preaching this for a while. The devil wants you to think that you're okay because you're saved. And truly you are. But he also knows you can never be as powerful as you should be when you got mess in your life. When you got unconfessed sins in your life. And unfortunately, a lot of the unconfessed sins is because you don't feel there's a need for confessing because you don't look at it as sin. We, we talked, uh, Jeff, Sunday, and I know you were not able to get out there, about the sin of partiality in our gender study. We basically use the, the concept of a man who's an usher on the post, and here comes this rich man coming to church, diamond ring and everything. He just grovel all over this individual. Help, come here, sir, and get him down to the best seat. Here comes a man in shabby clothes, and he said, oh, well, I don't want nobody in the congregation to get upset, so you stand by here by me. Sound like he's doing the right thing. But God calls that partiality. And we don't want to look at partiality as sin. And, and that's what the devil kind of wants us, because if we don't look at it that way, we ain't going to confess it. How many of you have told a purposely or unpurposed lie? You're at a store and somebody come up to you. And they say, uh, ma'am, mister, I'm hungry, I ain't got no money. Can you let me have $5? Before you even think about it, you say I ain't got no change. Or something like that. But you got it. But you just don't want to be bothered. Maybe some of y'all wasn't raised like I was raised. I was taught that somebody called the house. Mom and dad ain't here. I was taught you didn't give no information about nobody. So first thing out of your mouth is, I don't know. Y'all see where I'm going with this thing? It, the fact that we, we need to acknowledge, and we, we're going to get there, so let me just go ahead and shut up. As Christians, we should be ready and willing at all times to acknowledge any failure 
which God's light may expose to us. Being saved by God's grace does not mean the eradication of our sin nature. You got it. Rather, it means implanting of a new divine nature with power to live victorious over the indwell sin. I'm going to stop right there for a minute. You have a war going on inside of you. Your flesh is still going to be your it itself. It's still going to desire things of the world. But being saved means that you got two <clears throat> natures. Paul makes it plain in Romans 7 about this internal war, saying the good that I want to do, I find myself not doing, and the bad that I don't want to do, that's what I do. So then I find a law with the spirit man, my spirit mind, I'm serving God. But with this flesh, I'm serving sin. Can I ask y'all a question? <laughs> How many of y'all have some of these dreams that you don't want to tell nobody about? Y'all get my point? Dream of being with somebody that you ain't supposed to be with. Who I am. Well, that, we'll get to that. The point is, where did that come from? Where did that come from? I mean, my goodness, some of the dreams I had, I would never do that. So where did that come from? It's something inside of you that that sin nature began to rise up that in your subconscious you can't even control. agree with what you're saying too but sometimes the enemy will plant seeds in your in your mind he'll he'll play with your sin nature and sometimes it, it'll be something that's really not that you wouldn't do when you weren't saved either before you gave your life to christ and sometimes he'll plant seeds in your mind every thought you can't take ownership to either yeah he 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 he, he, he plants seeds all the time i mean sometimes that's our fault we're at wrong places doing wrong things getting wrong information but I'm talking about the time that you just ain't even had a concept. Uh, Sometimes, like I tell Ann, uh, uh, we'll watch some of these uh, uh, shows that, you know, family or, any, you know, or maybe a mystery or something like that. And that thing will stick in my mind, so I, I don't watch as many as I, as I would normally. Because I know it's going to stick in my mind. But what about them things I ain't never had in my mind? Just I ain't never thought about. At least I didn't think so. My point is that, if I can use this term, your sin nature has a mind of its own, and that's to do wrong. Pastor Dave. Yes, sir, Jeff. You know, you're, you're talking about the sin nature, and I've, I've said this in conversation before. Whether we would have done something or not back before we were saved, the potential to be a Hitler or a Jeffrey Dahmer or, you know, a cannibal... You know, mass murderer, that potential is in each and every one of us, whether yes. we acted on it or not, because that's how deep and how depraved that sin nature is. Exactly. And, and, and the word says that, you know, the human heart is deceitful above all else, and our own hearts deceive us. You know, that's sin nature. It deceives us. So, yeah, we may, you know, like some folks, I was a goody-two-shoe sinner. Certain things I did and didn't do, you know, had a line I wouldn't cross right, and all right. that foolishness. But the potential to do all manner of evil is in each one of us because that's what the sin nature is. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. So how do we deal with that before we go on? How do we deal with that? If you got a sin nature inside of you, and, and Linda is correct, the devil is going to plant seeds, seeds grow, Linda. All it needs is the right condition to germinate and grow. So if that's growing inside of you, how do you countermand that? How do you confront that? There's only one way. 
Your spirit man has got to be stronger than your sin nature. Other than that, you lose the battle. Now, if Satan's going to plant a seed of sin, what kind of seed do you need? You need the word of God. And again, I challenge you, what you feeding? What, what, what is going, the Bible talks about the light of the eyes or, or the window. That's what it really means in Greek language, of the eyes. Things going into what you see. Things going into what you hear. What you listen to? None of my people be saying stuff about ain't nothing wrong with, with certain music. What are you listening to? Anybody familiar with what they call the subliminal cuts? Well, they've proven that going to movies, they put one clip in there that you didn't even see with your natural eye of a bag of popcorn. And during the movie, next thing you know, you're thirsty. And you go out, you buy you some popcorn and a coat. They, it's a practice that's illegal now, but they used to do that. So they can, they can do things. Your mind is just something that, that, that you have to realize you got to feed your spiritual man. Now, in order for us to walk day by day in fellowship with God, we must confess our sins, and it's got twofold. Sin of commission, that means things you act on, things you do as well as sin of omission, things you don't do. I'm going to skip ahead of myself. Things that we do, it's really easy to deal with. Those things that we don't do. Anybody know what Hebrews 10.25 says? And I don't know a whole bunch of scriptures about number, but I know that one. Fail not. To assemble yourself as the manner of some. Assemble yourselves among other saints for the study of the Word of God and for worship. We don't even look at that as being something that we omit. If we make a conscious decision in the mind that I don't want to go to church today, we just don't come. Did I hit somebody? That's a sin of omission. What has God tell us to do that we just don't want to do? Tithing can be another example. Loving your enemies is another example. We omit those things. We have got to deal with those things. Let me go on. The Greek word translated confess is homo lego. It comes from two Greek words. And I want y'all to understand I ain't using this for... Any other purpose but to get you to understand something. Homo, I want you to think of harmony. Okay? It means the same or to agree. Logos. Y'all should know what that means. It means the word. It means to say. It means to speak. So the literal meaning of this is to confess is to say the same thing. Or agree with God about our sins. We must acknowledge our sins and agree that they are not in accordance with God's will. This results in God's mercy and his guarantee of cleansing and forgiveness. Again, the devil got you. When we don't recognize or see the need that we need to say, Lord, I'm wrong. The way I feel, the way I think is wrong. You ain't did nothing. But you're thinking about somebody. Can't stand him. Look at her. She thinks she's all that. I wish she would just sit down and shut up. And we go on. We don't even think about it. And the devil say, gotcha. Many Christians do not understand the necessity of forgiveness after they've been saved. On one hand, they are so overcome with guilt, they question their salvation. Boy, 
well, I keep doing this, I keep feeling this way, I keep thinking this way, am I really saved? On the other hand, their conviction is so light or so limited that they ignore it, Nikki, or they just plain old dismiss it. And Jesus wanted to teach his disciples about forgiveness after salvation prior to death. And this is another one of those things of revelation as I begin to study that God began to bring to me. The, the chasing of Jesus teaching the disciples the celebration of the Passover meal. Jesus put on an apron and began to wash each of the disciples' feet. This was the duty of a slave, the lowest one of the youngest one, which should have been John himself, the writer of this, should have done the apron and began to wash the feet of the disciples. But they all sit there. And after a while, Jesus got up, put on that servant's towel, bent down, and began to watch each of the disciples' feet. And they went, they were so stunned that they didn't say or do anything. But then he came to Peter. Peter strongly protested. Peter says to him, you shall never... Wash my feet. Now, in doing so, Peter has a very point. You are Lord. You are the Messiah. I am not going to let you belittle yourself by washing my dirty, stinky feet. Jesus answered him, saying, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. I don't watch this. You ain't got no relationship. I want y'all to get this. We, we don't have a relationship if I don't wash your feet, Peter. Peter words, Jesus were really, really upset, Peter. Disturbed him. So in desperation, Peter cried out. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Here's the thing that I really want you guys to get tonight. If you are really in a saving relationship with the Lord, you have been cleansed. Our Lord responded to Peter has implication far beyond that night. Jesus said to him, he who is, is bathed or in the king James washed, the only to wash his feet, but is completely, completely, completely clean. What does this mean? John was sitting next to Jesus that night. It's highly possible that later in life, he understood what this message really meant or what our Lord was trying to convey. When Jesus saves us, he cleanses us. But there are times we don't walk right and our feet get dirty. Morgan, this is the clearest scripture, I think, in the Bible. But once you're saved, you're saved. You've been washed. You're already clean. The only thing that can get dirty with you is an occasional everyday life. So this symbolizes the act of cleansing that he's talking about in 1 John 1 and 9. He is just and faithful to cleanse us. But there's a requirement for this cleansing. What is it, class? Confess your sins. You got to say it. You got to say it. You can't assume it. You guys can't take it for granted. You got to say it. And this is not publicly, but sometimes I don't think, because he says confess your fault one to another. I don't think that's a bad idea. But we are so prideful. We want everybody to think we got it together. Now, I was talking to, to, to the mustard seeds today at noonday prayer about that. It's hard for us to really admit we got some issues. Because people are going to say, ooh, they got issues. They don't realize they got their issues too. Go ahead, Kay. 
You know, I was just thinking, um, it's funny when you said we have to say it and don't just assume it. Because, of course, the Lord knows. But like you said with the word homologio, he wants us to agree with him that, you know, that we have that issue. And it's funny that, you know, um, we do that to each other, too. You know, well, they know I'm sorry. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And, but then, like, when you're the person who feel offended, you be like, nah, I want you, you know what I'm saying? I want you to acknowledge it. I want you to say something. At least acknowledge that you were wrong so we can move on. But then we do God like that. Yes, well, Lord, we he already know anyway, so we just kind of, but he wants us to acknowledge it. He wants us to just make it known, like, okay, you made a mistake, so now we can move on, but he still wants us to acknowledge it. You know, one thing that, that I've been coming more aware of, honey, is the fact that, you know, I love the Lord, but I don't tell him that as often as I, I've been convicted now to say, Lord, I love you. Like Kay said, he already knows, so why do I need to tell him? Well, why do we tell each other we love each other, spousal or otherwise? Because we enjoy hearing it. I know my wife loves me. But sure make me feel good when she says, I love you, honey. It makes God feel good when we confess some things or when we proclaim some things. So we, we really need to really think about that. We're going to walk in the light. We're going to have to tell the light that shine on us. Okay, Lord, I see this. And I acknowledge this particular thing in my life is wrong. We confess it. We have a guarantee of forgiveness. Here's our application tonight. We cannot walk in the light and be unaware of our sins at some point. If you're walking in the light, and that includes worship, personal meditation, reading the word of God, you're going to see something about yourself. You're going to do it. Now, if you want to read one particular scripture and that's all you want to read, that's a different thing. I also agree about the, the, these devotional. Hey, Hans, what's that book you got before you go that you read every morning, that little? Jesus Calling. They got little things like that, that where God is actually speaking to you or his thoughts taught me is another one. These type of things will really show you some things about yourself. So at some point, walking in the light, you're going to be aware of your own shortcoming. The sins of acts and public sin that were, were, were much easier to confess than those secret sins that they thought that no one knows about. In other words, when people know about it, uh, we, 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 we ain't thinking about some things or these obvious. We can easily confess them. But these secret sins and these thoughts that we have, we got to drag them out in the open before God. We got to call them by name. We got to take sides with God against these things. And then, and only then, can we work to forsake them. And that's a process in itself. When we confess, we have Jesus' promises of forgiveness. Done deal. This is the feet washing. Now, I know people go through all these ceremonies of feet washing as, as a sign of humility of another brother. And that's fine if we want to do that. But we need to remember that daily when we walk, our feet get dirty. Historically, you're going to find out that men wore, and women wore sandals. Uh, there was no concrete. Most of the roads were dirty and dusty. You got animal defecation all over the road. So washing feet was an important part of life. It was something that people did not want to do. But that's the way it is with our walk. Once you have been bathed or baptized with the Holy Spirit, you are washed. Hmm, I just thought of something. How many of y'all uh, have ever had what you might call family meals, family dinners, well, the whole family? I know some of you older people there because we all come together and eat. And they call you in the house. Dinner time, when you got in the house, did you go directly to the table and sit down? What was your instruction? 
y'all, all y'all know it. Go wash your hands. Go wash your hands. And that's all Jesus is saying. Let me wash your feet. But you got to confess, Lord, I'm in need of my feet being washed. I have stepped in this mist. I travel on this road. And, and, and don't you forget what, what Kay said. Just because God know it, you still got to say it. See, that's something God knows about us that we don't know. He's trying to reveal to us. Okay, I got that, Lord. I know what you're saying. His forgiveness, and get this, is, is, is parental, not judicial. Judicial forgiveness means forgiveness from the penalty of sin, which the sinner receives when he believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the bathing. That's the full bath. It is called judicial because it grants us forgiveness as God acting as the judge of the earth. And we need judicial forgiveness only once. The price of prayer by the Lord Jesus on Calvary Cross. He took care of that. Took care of the penalty for our sin. That's a done deal. Sin past, sin present, and sin future. That's a done deal. But we also need parental forgiveness throughout our Christian life. Can you unparent yourself? Steal your baby. How many of y'all been disappointed? As parents. How many of y'all have been disappointers? Two parents. Did that change? Can we divorce our kids? Can we divorce our parents? How do we feel about them? We still love them. How many of y'all don't seen the news? Young man out there done robbed a store and killed two people. Walking in the jail and mom said, he's a good kid. He just got with the... See, that's parental love. So as our loving father now forgives us as his children for bad behavior. And this is something we're going to always need through our life. But we need to confess it. I'm reminded of this before I tell you about tomorrow's studies. Some of you know my little sister. She's really older than me, but Pat is, you know, about this side. Pat's always, uh, uh, I think I was telling Amber today when I was taking the to the, the grooms. Pat was always a good kid. She was just one of those children that you didn't have to really worry about. My older sister, Joan, Joan was a peel. Joan was the one that got us in trouble all the time. And I followed suit being the baby boy. But I remember one time, Pat came to me and said, David, I found Grandmama's bag. Now, Grandmama used to have this bag where she kept money in, and she was collecting half dollars. I don't know if y'all know what those are. We don't have them anymore, do we? But they, she collected half dollars with the Liberty thing on it. And so she had a bag. She, I mean, it must have been, it must have been about four or fifty in there. So Pat said, here, you take one, I take one. That's okay. So we took it, tied the bag up, went to the store and had a good time. And I'm okay, and I'm just walking in, walking in. Got back home, I think, a couple of days, and there's Pat sitting down in front of Grandmama. Grandmama, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Grandmama, I'm sorry. And Grandmama said, what you sorry about, baby? She didn't even know. We took your money. I said, what are you doing? We got away with it. But her heart was right. 
she felt the need to confess. Oh, that we might have that heart for the Lord. That we'll feel the need to confess. Tomorrow night, we're going to look at you are the light. Come from Matthew 5, 14. Snacks will be available after we leave tonight. But I'm going to ask you to join me at the altar tonight. Those that can, those that will. As we pray for their heart to confess those faults. Y'all come. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.